What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is Evan DeMarco, somebody you could call the fish master, or as he <laughs> alluded to on the show, the fish guy. Funny name, but unbelievably knowledgeable, and somebody I'm so happy to have on the show because I actually listened to him. Um, I don't know how long ago, it was a while ago, on the Barbell Shrugged podcast, and he blew my mind with how much information he knew um, about fish oil, the benefits, the like, what to know about sourcing fish oil, how to spot the best brands, how to avoid rancidness, tests that you can specifically do on the fish oil inside your pantry to know if it's legit. Um, so many different aspects just in regarding fish oil and omega-3s in general. And so we actually happened to cross paths recently and I'm so glad we did because now I get to have him on my show, ask him the questions that I've been dying to know, get some validation on all things omega-3 but then also pick his brain on CBD oil because that is something else that he is extremely knowledgeable about, something else that he is a proponent of and something else that he is actually creating supplements behind. So he is the creator of many different supplements regarding fish oil and CBD specifically um, and combining the two and how that can create better joint health, less inflammation, prevent disease, improve brain health, improve sleep, like so many different things, so many different benefits from both of them individually, but then also them together specifically. So um, we brought him on the show today and he is going to teach you everything you need to know about omega-3s, fish oil, CBD, and combining the two. And this podcast is literally full of so much applicable information. Um, I can't wait for you to listen. I can't wait for you to learn more. And I can't wait for you to start implementing some of these things and really seeing the benefits behind all of this stuff. Guys, two quick announcements today. Number one, this show is brought to you by the Boom Boom Performance Elite membership site. This is the Boom Boom Elite. This is where people can join my membership site, get training programs done for them, exclusive content. So if you like the podcast content, you will love the interviews inside of there. You will love the private videos I do, the Facebook Lives, the coaching videos, um, so many different things. You also get access to my ebook. So this is kind of the hub for Boom Boom Performance training, Boom Boom Performance content. So if you're interested in more exclusive content to take you to the next level and having a training system that is done for you every single day of the month, this is the place to be. There's a link in the show notes and it is called the Boom Boom Elite. The next announcement, guys, you know what it is. I say it every time. The best way for you to help us grow, two things. Number one, go leave us a five-star rating and review because that helps us grow inside the iTunes charts. Number two, take a screenshot of this show right now because I know you're enjoying it. I know you're going to learn so much and I know it's going to help you because he gives away so much free valuable information just like all my guests do, just like I do in the Q&A. So if you appreciate this podcast, if you appreciate the content we are delivering to you, what you can do for us is take a screenshot on your phone, post it on your story on Instagram and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and, and tag Evan at Evan underscore DeMarco. You can find both of those in the show notes below in the description of this. Um, tag us both on Instagram. We want to see who's listening. We want to know what you liked best. And when I DM you back, please tell me who you want to see on the show next so I can get your favorite guest on the podcast with me. All right, guys. Without any further ado, let's get on to this amazing interview with the fish guy, Evan DeMarco. All right, Evan DeMarco, man. I'm, I'm really pumped about this. As I told you before, we got um, live and started recording. I have listened to some of your work in the past, and when I found out that you guys were coming on the show, I was super pumped to have you because fish oil is one of those supplements that I actually believe in. Um, at Boom Boom Performance, we're not a big supplement uh, preaching company, I guess. We really focus on whole foods. We focus on nutrition. Um, but fish oil is one of those ones that I don't think I've ever had a client that I didn't 
suggest taking this supplement. So I'm really pumped to have a guy who is an expert on fish oil come on the show. But before we get into fish oil specifically and CBD, as we'll be touching on as well, how did this all start? How did you get into fish oil specifically? How did you get into CBD? Where is your background? Kind of give me your story in a nutshell. Cool. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm stoked to be on this podcast and, and love what you guys are doing. So yeah, a little bit of background on me. I, I mean, really, I started off as an athlete, uh, you know, like so many people, um, you know, athletics was kind of a way to keep myself out of trouble. And growing up in a small town of Greeley, Colorado, I really saw sports as my way out of this town. You know, if you're not familiar with Greeley, Colorado, it's uh, claim to fame is, is that it's the largest ConAgra feedlot. So my high school was about four four miles from, I don't know, half a million cows. You can imagine what that smelled like. So, you know, just, I, I, I had this passion to get out of Greeley and I use sports as the catalyst for that. So health and wellness has really always been in my DNA. It was just something that, you know, I wanted to be the best. I, I, I ate well, I studied nutrition, I worked out hard. Um, and then life kind of throws us curveballs as they typically do. And, and so, you know, I uh, ended up getting injured, wasn't able to play sports, had to go out in the real world, became an investment banker of all things. So, uh, you know, went from, you know, baseball pants and cleats to three-piece suits and ties, uh, which I hated. It was just every day part of my soul died as I kind of put that tie around my neck. Um, but, you know, uh, yuppie Nuremberg uh, syndrome is we have to pay the bills, right? Everyone's got a mortgage and a car payment. So I did it for a long time. And then the inevitable mortgage collapse really kind of tanked the whole investment banking market. And so I found myself really at this crossroads of what do I want to do with my life? And coincidentally enough, a, a friend of mine who is the marketing director for a sports nutrition company called and said, hey, you know, we really need some help over here on business development, on, on everything. So I took this consulting job. Um, with the sports nutrition company. And I just, I, like, you know, the passion was there, right? It was it, what had been just kind of laying dormant in my life just just came back with this rush. And so I'm like, wow, I, I love working in this industry. I love supplements. I love dietary supplements. I love working with professional athletes. But what I really felt was lacking was the scientific knowledge, um, you know, to, to kind of bridge the gap between product development, marketing, and, and business. And so I went back to school. So I started studying all of the stuff that no one ever wants to study, the organic chemistry, the biochemistry, all the shit that, you know, no one, it's like no one ever gets excited about, but I loved it. Um, and I was just doing classes at night. So I would go to school at night, take all of these notes from, you know, from school, and then I would take them to the lab the next day and start just hounding the lab techs. Like, hey, can we do this? Can we do this? They hated me. They just absolutely hated me. Like, dude, go, go sell something. Uh, but it gave me a real crash course in product development, you know, and, and how we approach the dietary supplement industry, what's good, what's bad. And so I really kind of came away with this 360-degree view of what it takes to get a product from concept to market. And so in doing that, you know, I was able to build up some companies and sell off and, and do some great things in that. But then I just bounced around doing a lot of product development until I was called by a division of ACOG, which is the American College of OBGYNs, to start working on prenatal vitamins. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. You know, it's prenatal vitamins. I don't know much about it, but, you know, let's, it's a challenge. So I kind of just jumped in. And, and then all of a sudden I found out shortly after that I was going to be a father. And that really changed the whole dynamic. So it's like, oh, wow, now I've got some real skin in the game as far as developing some prenatal vitamins. Um, and as such, I kind of recognize that prenatals, for the most part, really suck. Uh, you know, it's just a, 
it's just a market that hasn't evolved over the last 30 years. And, and so with kind of my newfound passion of being a father and then really looking at all the research, I really got into how does fish oil um, really get from fish to consumer? What does that whole process look like? How do we really, you know, know what these sources are? And how do we, you know, ensure that we're not putting toxic products in our body? So after working on this project and developing uh, what uh, is now known as alpha and omega ingredient technology, which is, is a predominant uh, technology source for a lot of prescription prenatal vitamins, um, I started working with the KD Pharma Group on, and, and they're the largest global manufacturer of prescription grade omega. So then I got the ultimate crash course in omegas, everything from where these fish are caught, how they're manufactured. I mean, it's like, I have, I've got the ultimate deep dive on fish. Um, and, and so I've been doing that and really utilizing polyunsaturated fatty acids as a platform to understand, you know, what do we physiologically need as our environments have changed so drastically over the last 50, 60, 70 years, you know, environmental toxins, all of the stuff that we're doing to ourselves, bad diets, omega-6 to omega-3 ratios. So, you know, basically now I'm the fish guy and, and that's uh, <laughs> kind of a, a very securitous uh, answer to your question, but uh, hopefully that gives your, your listeners a little bit of background on, on where we where we're going to go from here with the topic of fish and then ultimately CBD. I think that's perfect, man. It's a lot of background, but it's uh, it, it paints a picture for me. So with fish oil specifically, before we get into some of the, the main questions that I have around how we can source this better, how we can find the best quality and, and what it does for us, what are the benefits behind omega-3s? And does that vary from polyunsaturated fats as a whole, or is it just polyunsaturated fats that we need to search for? What fish oil versus omega-3s? Can you kind of break down for the listeners what we need to be looking for and why we want to consume this? Like, what are the benefits behind it? Great question. And, and I think, you know, the long answer would mean that we're probably here until next Wednesday um, <laughs> because this is a deep dive topic. So when we really look at polyunsaturated fatty acids, let's kind of take a look. Let's take a step back and look at fish oil as a whole. Um, and I think where a lot of people really get confused is what are omegas and what are fish oil? So to talk about this, and, and I think you've heard me talk about this in previous podcasts, is looking at the supply chain. Predom predominantly, most fish oil comes from anchovies and sardines that are caught off the coast of like Chile and Peru. Um, and, and those anchovies and sardines are taken to a factory and they're just pressed, right? You know, they're put in kind of like a blender. And so you have fish meal and then you have your oil left over. And that fish oil is something that we commonly refer to as like 1812 or crude oil. And that 1812 is representative of the EPA and DHA concentration of the fish for a total of about 30% omega-3s. Now, the remaining 70% are things like pro-inflammatory omega-6, saturated fat, cholesterol, all the things that we kind of now consider more bad fats, right? So people think, oh, I'm taking a fish oil, but is that good? And, and so we've kind of, we, we really have to do a great job of educating the average consumer of what the difference between a fish oil is and what an omega-3 is. Um, and, and really, when we look at some of these polyunsaturated fatty acids, that can be really encompassing, right? It can be omega-3, it can be omega-6, it can be omega-9. So each one of these omegas really play an integral part in you know, how our health and wellness uh, develops, how we really resolve inflammation, how we do a lot of different, uh, you know, biological processes. But the problem is, and this is where it gets kind of fun, right? If we go back in time, like 200 years, we have to look at the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. And about 200 years ago, it was kind of estimated to be around four to one, four to one omega-6 to omega-3. Now, as a result of all of the corn oil and all of the, the crap that we eat, our modern Western diet, 
that ratio has gone from like a staggering four to one or, you know, to a staggering like 20 to 25 to one, that much omega six in our system becomes so inflammatory. So when we look at some of these polyunsaturated fatty acids, we really have to kind of take a step back and holistically look at each person and how that, you know, that polyunsaturated fatty acid is going to work in their system. Um, and by and large, what we have to really look at then are these higher concentrate omega-3 products to really offset a lot of the damage that the modern Western diet has created for most Americans. And, and that kind of that, that number is about 80% based off of uh, CDC and uh, omega quant testing for kind of what that ratio looks like. So how, how do people go about creating the proper balance of omega-6 to omega-3s without getting confused or trying to do math or even for the people who don't even record their nutrition, let's say, like, how can they just look at their day? And is it as simple as take this much fish oil and it'll balance itself out? Or is it as simple as avoid these foods? Like, how do you tell people to kind of go about their day to create a better balance? You know, that is a great question too. And, and, and I'm a big believer that there's no such thing as a panacea, right? There's no just one size fits all, right. you know, we all have, we're all unique individuals and we all have our unique demands and, and we all come to our spot in life based off of a history. And that history could be where we live, the type of diets that we have, our exercise routines. So it, it's difficult to say with any degree of certainty that if you just take this one product, things are going to be great. So the way that I always approach this is let's create a starting point. Let's create a baseline. So I talked about omega-6 to omega-3, but there's a great company out there called Omega Quant. Um, And if you just Google Omega Quant, uh, you can actually get their omega index test kit. What they'll do is they'll send you a test kit in the mail. You take like, literally, you just prick your finger, send in a dried blood sample, and they will give you this whole comprehensive test. And it'll tell you what your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is. It'll actually give you what they, they call their omega index score. And after 30 years of doing this, these tests, what they've determined is that the average American exists between like a two to a three. And this number is really kind of indicative of their algorithm, which includes the levels of, of you know, lipids in the blood, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So it's kind of this cool little just score that you get. But what they've also determined is, is that if you can get to an eight in their score, you're five times more likely to reach your 80s without incidence of cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, or stroke. So if we create a baseline and you take this test, then you can say, oh, well, I'm at a four. I know where I need to be or I know where I want to go. How do I modify my supplement and my diet and my lifestyle to get to those numbers? And then there's some really, you know, kind of neat algorithms that they put in there to say, you know, take this much EPA, this much DHA. Um, and so you really kind of give yourself a, a roadmap of sorts to addressing some of these major inflammatory markers that seem to be the cornerstone of the American, you know, lifestyle. I love that. I had no idea that they were actually testing for this. It's almost like a hormonal test that have become extremely popular. But um, being able to test your omegas gives you a much more clear path to actually getting where you want to be. And as you said, I mean, I'm assuming balancing out that ratio is going to improve quite a bit of things in your life from inflammation to fat loss to building muscle performance, age, disease, so many different things. Absolutely. It, you know, and, and we kind of look at obviously like training, right? As trainers, you know, as, as people who are, you know, really our, our focus is to help people in their health and wellness journeys. One of the things that becomes really interesting is the number of sarcopenia cases that are, you know, showing up in people who are in like their late 20s and early 30s. So age-related muscle protein breakdown, our body's inability to synthesize amino acids into, uh, you know, basically into, into muscle for the purposes of repairing muscle post-workout. And one of the things that we're finding is, is that that 
that incidence of sarcopenia seems to be directly correlated in some capacity to these lower omega index scores. So higher concentrations of omega-6 really means that your body's not able to synthesize protein properly. So in balancing these things out, what we're able to do is really modify a person's ability to improve you know, or to, to resolve inflammation, to get better gains in the gym, to, you know, to synthesize uh, proteins so that they're maintaining muscle mass. And, and as we know, kind of the key to healthy aging is being able to maintain muscle mass as long as possible. So if we're seeing that for people in their 20s and 30s, imagine what that person's going to look like without intervention by the time they hit 60. They're just going to be a gelatinous blob on the couch. <laughs> right. Um So that's actually, that brings up an interesting question because uh you kind of, just so the listeners know, I'm assuming you're you're basically stating, which is, has been shown, as we age, our ability to have muscle protein synthesis happening in our body and react from training and eating protein actually lowers, which makes it harder to maintain muscle, build muscle, so on and so forth, as we age. Um, does our ability to synthesize omega-3s lower as well? Or are you just saying consuming more omega-3s, balancing out that ratio actually improves muscle protein synthesis now and later, and that's what we should be focusing on as we age? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So it's, it's you know, our ability to take in those, you know, to, to optimize our omega-6 and omega-3 ratios to take in those polyunsaturated fatty acids will actually help us synthesize, um, you know, synthesize a muscle protein now and in the future. So it becomes this, you know, really direct cause and effect is we need to be taking those things in now to making, making sure that we're addressing inflammation, acute inflammation before it becomes chronic, which then becomes disease. So that's where that test and then obviously the supplementation afterwards can really pay dividends for people's long-term health goals. I love that. Um, so I'm curious about dosage. You know, uh, everybody, there's a lot of different uh, recommendations out there. And I've read a lot about around two to three grams of combined EPA DHA daily is going to be good enough. Some people prescribe it by their weight. Um, and then if you look at the back of a bottle of fish oil, it's usually like consume one pill per day. And that's like 0.03 grams of combined EPA DHA, which is practically nothing. Um, so what do you recommend? I mean, obviously it's individual, but just from a generic standpoint, what do you typically recommend? And then is that actually possible? Um, say if you're eating salmon twice a week, or do you suggest supplementing regardless? I, I recommend supplementing regardless for a couple of different reasons. So the magic number, I think, is just a moving target, right? Um, we'll talk a little bit in, you know, as we go through this on fat cycling. So I, I think, you know, two to four grams is usually a good benchmark. You're never going to get that on a daily basis from eating salmon a couple times a week. And, and here's the problem, right? This is where I get a little concerned we have completely cocked up our oceans. I mean, that is, you know, there, there's a giant, you know, plastic island the size of Texas floating out in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. You know, I, like I see a video on Facebook or Instagram every day of someone pulling a straw, plastic straw out of a turtle's nose. It's impossible to ignore the fact that we have in some capacity impacted the supply chain for fish. So you either have farm-raised fish, and we all know how how that great that is, or then you've got wild caught, which seems to be uh, continually subjected to some of the environmental toxins that we seem to be, you know, hell bent on, on throwing into our ocean. I mean, literally, there are, I know that there are fisheries in Japan that are running Geiger counters over their fish as a result of the Fukushima reactor meltdown. So if we just leave it to dietary uh, intake, I think that there's going to be a major deficiency in your omega, uh, your omega intake. So that's where supplementing definitely comes in. Now, that's not to ignore the benefits of taking in fish and, and incorporating that into your diet. But I certainly think that you need to have that balance. And so that really becomes a, a question of which product do you take? 
opaque, right? So if you're taking some of these lower concentrates or if you're taking a cheaper fish oil, you could be just exacerbating that same omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, but you could also be taking in some of those toxins that we're kind of trying to avoid by using a supplement instead of just eating fish every day. So it really comes back to the quality of the product that you're putting into your body as well as the amount and how you excuse me, how you're modifying your diet to incorporate, you know, all the things necessary to drive down your omega-6 to omega-3 ratios. So let's get into the brands then. Is there any brands you recommend? And if there is or isn't, how do people begin to search for the right brands? I mean, there's liquid fish oil, there's store-bought pill fish oil. Then we have to worry about um, the, the capsules actually going rancid because they've been out too long. And then it's like, well, if I get it on a shelf, it's probably rancid by now. Um, there's also some research, and, and I believe it was Dr. Rhonda Patrick I heard talking about supplementing with vitamin E to combat that rancidness of your fish oil. So I'd love to just kind of get your opinions and thoughts about how we can best kind of stay away from the issues and actually get the best source of fish oil through capsules. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in capsules. I, uh, liquid is okay, but I, I mean, just, let's be honest, liquid fish oil is just nasty, right? I mean, that is like, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, it's a chore. Um, you know, if you can't swallow pills, you know, find a good liquid and there are plenty of those out there. Um, so so let, let's start again with looking at the back of that label, right? Break everything down and do the math. If you've got one gram of fish oil, but you've only got 300 milligrams of omega-3, that's that 1812 product that we were talking about earlier. That's a low concentrate, you know, a lot of pro-inflammatory omega-6, a lot of cholesterol, a lot of sad fat. So that's the stuff that you're going to find at Costco for, you know, like a 12-year supply of it for like $4. That's not the stuff you want to be buying. Um, so I always look at like 70% concentrate is kind of the starting place. So you should be looking at the math on the back of your label and say, okay, there's one gram of fish oil and there's 700 milligrams of combined omega-3s. And that could be EPA, DHA, anything like that. If you kind of utilize that as a starting place, you're always going to be pretty, pretty solid as far as what you're taking in. A couple of the products, uh, you know, Omax Health, I think is probably one of the best in the market. Uh, and you can go to omaxhealth.com, check that one out. Uh, they're great for a couple different reasons. They're a 94% concentrate. So definitely really high up on that purity scale. They also blister pack, right? So one of the issues with is if you buy a bottle, you open it, you start to oxidize that fish oil right away. So if it takes you a month to do it, every time you open it that, you know, every pill oxidizes a little bit more. Whereas if you blister pack these things, each pill is uniquely preserved. So you don't have to worry about the oxidation parameters. So that's kind of a cool small component. But as we talk about fat cycling, as we talk about taking in these acids that can go rancid, every little small correction that you can do towards getting a better product in your system is just going to pay dividends in the long haul. Uh, so I like their product. Uh, they have a great just core omega-3 product. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's called Pure or, uh, uh, Omax 3. But they also have that Alpha and Omega product, which we talked about earlier, which is kind of cool because it taught, you know, we've actually enzymatically bound the omegas with Alpha GPC. So now you have an active uh, or you have a phospholipid as an active transport mechanism. So now you're actually improving bioavailability and getting multi-modes of action, improving brain health, um, lowering C-reactive protein and homocysteine levels, you know, looking at inflammatory markers. So some really cool products there. Um, and then they have the CBD, which I, I think we're going to probably chat about in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So is there any, uh, you kind of mentioned uh, the alpha, 
being a way to kind of, it sounds like transport it into your system. And then almost sounds kind of like when we look at vitamin D, vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. We should probably consume it with some fats. Are there foods that you recommend taking fish oil with to just increase our body's ability to actually absorb it? Or is it just one of those things, just consume it. It doesn't matter daily um, timing, anything like that. No, I mean, I say take it in the morning and, and throw it down with some almond butter. I mean, that's really the best part is, you, you know, you're going to have that really concentrated fat in your system, which is really going to help. Um, but yeah, we talk about the GPC and, and it's interesting. I was just reading a, a great article uh, that uh, Dr. Patrick wrote on um, Alzheimer's and the A4OE or A4OE, uh, you know, thing, the genetic expression and really talking about how DHA uh, availability in the brain is limited because of the lack of phospholipids. So when we really talk about this alpha and omega, it's kind of this cool thing that, you know, she was just talking about it. I've been working on this project for years, but this idea that if we, if we take a, an omega with a phospholipid, we can actually improve bioavailability. But if we do it with the right phospholipid, then we have all of these different uh, benefits that come along with that. I love that, man. She's always putting out some amazing content. Yeah, woman's um, brilliant. She really is. Um, I'm, I'm curious because you, you mentioned the prenatals at the very beginning, and she, I know she just had a child, and I heard her speaking about how she is, was just pumping fish oil during pregnancy and everything. Um, and I, I was, I'm curious about fetus and the growth of a child and everything like that. And now I know there are some prenatals that are starting to, and it sounds like you did this exact thing, starting to push omega-3s inside of the prenatal. Um, what's the benefit from a growing child inside the womb and pre, uh, during, and post-pregnancy when it comes to omegas? Great question, right? So when we look at brain development, when we look at eye development, when we look at really kind of the building blocks of life, those polyunsaturated fatty acids play a huge role. One of the things that I was really concerned about was MTHFR mutations. And if you're not familiar with those, basically it's just a genetic mutation that impacts an estimated 45 to 50% of the global population, which really does not allow them to methylate folic acid into folate. So back in the 60s, we started, we started basically, you know, putting folic acid into everything, uh, you know, like cereals, breads. And, and one of the reasons for that is, is that folic acid is necessary to prevent neural tube, neural tube defects and spinal bifida. Now, those, um, those abnormalities, pregnancy abnormalities, happen between two and four weeks of pregnancy, long before most women ever recognize they're pregnant. So by fortifying all of our foods with folic acid, our hope was is that we could prevent those things. And then once someone found out they were pregnant, they would get on a prenatal vitamin. Um, the CDC always recommends uh, uh, women of childbearing age be on a prenatal vitamin for that folic acid reason. But with this MTHFR mutation, a lot of women can't methylate folic acid into folate. Um, and that's kind of the necessary component to prevent these things. So what we did with this alpha and omega is by combining alpha GPC and DHA, we actually kind of do a little bit of a biological end around where women are able to utilize the GPC to methylate folate um, and kind of prevent some of these neural tube defects and spinal bifida. So that was the starting place for this particular um, ingredient technology that I developed. But then what I really wanted to do was understand how our brains develop, um, you know, in the womb and then right after. So the European Food Safety Agency released a report a couple of years ago, and what they found was is that the predominant, um, you know, uh, omega source and choline source in breast milk was DHA and alpha GPC. So I utilized the numbers that came out of that report as the construct for, you know, looking at how do we improve brain development in the womb, fetal brain development, and then prepare mom and baby postpartum for you know, the biggest exponential growth and kind of our brain's, you know, life cycle. Uh, 
Um, and it was using these phospholipids, these water phase phospholipids with DHA. So, I mean, I could not understate the importance of or overstate the importance of taking these products in if you're pregnant or wanting to get pregnant or, you know, breastfeeding or, you know, any of those like the, that time frame. These are the products you definitely need to be making sure you're, you're doubling up on. I love it, man. It's something I've been, I have a, actually she's eight months old today. So um, this is something that I've been big on and I dug into the research right before um, we were about to have a child because I heard Rhonda Patrick talking about it and I started digging into it. So it's been big in our household too. So it's great to, great to hear you speak on it. Um, I have a few questions left on fish oil just before we move on to CBD. Um, the first one is how can people, like we kind of touched on brands and, and how to, uh, look at the best quality in, in the names and everything. How can people look at the fish oil they have right now in their pantry or their fridge and A, know it's a good quality brand? Like what should they be looking out for to avoid? Is there any like third-party testing labels you look for? Anything like that to let us know like, oh shit, this is probably not the best brand. And there, is there anything that they can do to maybe make that brand a little bit more effective if it's not? Meaning, can they put it in the fridge and that helps? Can they take vitamin E? What can they do to make that supplement a little bit more powerful? So let, let's start with, I want to reverse into that. So try the freezer test first, because that's always a great indication of, if, do you have a good brand? If you put your fish oil in the freezer and you wake up in the morning and it's cloudy, that's a good indication that you have more of those you know, pro-inflammatory omega-6, the saturated fats, right? Because those are going to freeze, those are going to cloud up. So the higher concentrate you go, the clearer your fish oil is going to be uh, when you pull it out of the freezer in the morning. So everyone do the freezer test with your fish oil tonight. You know, uh, send, a, send me a message on Instagram tomorrow. Let me know how that works out. Um, the second thing is there are a couple different certifications. Now I'm a big on environmental, uh, you know, environmental impact. So I like friend of the sea. I like MSC certified. Um, and these are all, uh, international governing bodies that ensure that that fish oil has been certified as sustainable because a lot of the big issues, right. Is you've got so many people just taking fish out of the ocean and it's not necessarily a sustainable product. So MSC friend of the sea are great ones. Um, NSF certified, I think that's a great one, right? Make sure that that product has been independently third-party tested so that you're not getting higher concentrations of arsenic or lead or cadmium or some of these toxins that seem to be so prevalent in the oceans. Um, I think those are the three that I would really look at. Um, GOED, which is the international organization that kind of really polices and monitors the whole Omega industry, um, they do independent third-party testing as well. So if you see a GOED label on there, that's usually a good indication that you've got a good brand you're working with. Man, that's really helpful. I think the freezer thing alone is going to be perfect because now everybody can listen to this and go downstairs put their fish oil. And then I know I'm going to, cause I don't have the Omax brand. So, um, I'm going to do that. And if it's cloudy, I'm going to be throwing it out and grabbing that other brand. Um, the next question I have, I don't see this as often anymore, but there was a period of time. I don't know if it was probably a couple years ago where krill oil was like this big thing and it was the best thing and it was better than fish oil. What is the difference? Cause I get this question quite often. What is the difference between fish and krill oil? Is there a difference in which one's better? It really is a great question. Um, and, and that's really a tough answer, right? Because krill is incredibly sustainable. And, you know, krill are just these tiny little shrimp-like creatures. It's what, you know, whales eat, right? Um, they're, you know, the, the krill oil is pink. It's and the, the reason that it's pink is because it's got natural astaxanthin, zeaxanthin, which are phospholipids in there. So we kind of talk about phospholipids as that active transport mechanism for DHA and EPA. So it has natural phospholipids in there which makes it more bioavailable. 
Um, and it also does some other things, right? We know that the astaxanthin and the zeaxanthin have some great sun protection factors for your skin. There's some other cool things that can kind of go along with that. Now, where that falls short is, is that the concentration levels aren't there. So, you know, if you look at like Mega Red, I think is the predominant one on there, and you look at their base product, it's never going to meet that, you know, three, two to three or even four grams a day that you kind of need to, to get your levels up. So, you, you know, if you're looking at just their suggested dose, which is like two soft doses, you're going to have to take like 30 of those a day to match what you can get with, you know, EPA or DHA from fish. And now that we've kind of been able to lab create these lipids, these structured lipids like the alpha and omega, there really becomes a much more tangible benefit to looking at a structured lipid like alpha and omega versus looking at krill. So um, I, I don't really have a major dog in this fight. I just like, I like the fact that we're able to really look at sourcing great ingredients and putting these things together in a structured lipid like alpha and omega and getting everything that we need in one pill versus taking a lot of krill, uh, which just doesn't make a lot of sense because I don't want to swallow 10, 15, 20 pills to get my recommended daily dose. Absolutely. It's efficiency. That makes total sense. Um, so the, to kind of wrap up fish oil before we move on to CBD, can you give me a rapid fire of the benefits? Just, just list them out so people can hear like why they just kind of convince them of why they need to start taking fish oil. Uh, you know, inflammation resolution is the big one, right? Age is related to inflammation. So the, the, this isn't rapid fire. I'll, I'll spit this out as fast as I can. <laughs> Acute inflammation can become chronic, which can become disease. So your body has this natural defense mechanism to fight acute inflammation. You get a cut on your arm, you know, inflammation is going to, you know, trigger that inflammation that is going to trigger your immune response to go there to heal that cut and do all that. But if you're constantly fighting inflammation because you don't have the resources in your body, well, that can become chronic. So that cut becomes chronic and then becomes disease. So all disease in our body seems to be a systemic result of inflammation. So by taking these, you know, omega-3s, you're preparing your body to better resolve inflammation. Joint pain, that's a big one, right? I mean, you know, you got joint pain, you should be looking at this particular product. Eye health, brain health, mood. Uh, I mean, literally the list goes on and on. There are 22,000 published clinical studies on the benefits of omega-3. You just can't ignore that this is one of those things that you kind of have to have if you want to really, you know, achieve all of your health and wellness goals. And so, uh, yeah, and, and the big thing is, is if you look at the FDA, the World Health Organization, the CDC, 80% of Americans are deficient in these omega-3s. So there's a good chance that if you're listening to this, you're probably not getting enough of them, which means your body's struggling to do what it needs to do. And that's homeostasis, right? We have this desire to like, our bodies have this desire to be in this perfect spot, this homeostasis. And when we fall outside of that, things get a little wonky. Omega-3s really help us get back there. I love it. I'm, I'm not big on the term superfoods because I think marketing kind of hyped it up. But if there is one superfood or something that is super, it's got to be fish oil because the list is pretty insane of how many things it helps us with. So um, great way to sum that up. So let's kind of move into shift gears and move into CBD. Um, first, what got you into CBD? Like what made you want to start exploring that? It's obviously a booming industry and a booming uh, nutrient, I guess you could say right now, what made you kind of turn your head and start looking into it? You know, honestly, I, I, when it first came out or when it first came across my desk, I turned my head the other direction. And it's interesting because, you know, growing up with sports is my predominant, you know, background. 
drugs were a no-no, right? You want to play sports? Don't do drugs. You get caught with drugs, you're not playing sports anymore. So then all of a sudden CBD kind of comes to light and it's like CBD from hemp. And I had this real visceral reaction. I'm like, that's a drug. I don't want anything to do with this. So it took me about six months of really digging into the science to understand that A, it's not a drug and B, there are some pretty profound health and wellness implications for this particular product, the CBD, or as we'll talk about full spectrum phytocannabinoids, which are CBD is one of 113 of those. So what, what got me excited is this is an emerging frontier. There's a lot of research being done on this, but there seems to be a really big, profound impact of, you know, what people can accomplish by taking this particular product or these, you know, these full spectrum phytocannabinoids. So what is the difference between hemp oil versus CBD? You know, I've had, I had a, I have a shout out to Cured Nutrition, my buddy. Um, runs that company and he sent me a care package and there was different tinctures right there one was cbd one was hemp oil and i'm kind of like looking at i'm like okay which is what what's going to do what are they the same um and then what makes that difference than all the other cannabinoids so you know cbd is one of 113 unique phytocannabinoids and that typically comes from the cannabis sativa plant which is a hemp plant uh some will call it the marijuana plant some will call you know and we can talk about the history of that um most of the in, most of the hemp derived CBD comes from industrial hemp, either you know grown in, in states where it's legal here in the United States or sourced from you know Canada or Europe. Um, those plants have been biologically engineered to have lower concentrations of THC, whereas in states where medical marijuana or recreational marijuana is legal, that cannabis sativa plant has been bioengineered to have higher concentrations of, of THC. So for the differences is that of these 113 unique phytocannabinoids, the two most prevalent are THC and CBD. THC is the thing that's going to get you high. That's the psychoactive. That's the thing that's going to you know give you the munchies, you know, make you giggle, give you the bloodshot eyes, and probably you know have you going for like a you know a Totino's pizza at two o'clock in the morning. Um, CBD is is the non-psychoactive antagonist of THC, and and that's where we see a lot of the health and wellness implications coming from. But what really the, the academic debate is, is, is it CBD or is it full spectrum? So when you get rid of that THC, do the rest of these 100, and, you know, 100 plus unique phytocannabinoids work together to have uh, that impact on health and wellness? And that's where the research is going right now. So there's not a definitive answer one way or the other. And, and I, I always challenge people to say, no, it's, it's CBD isolate or it's full spectrum. Like we don't have enough data to make those assertions. So you know, we have to be very fluid in a lot of the things that we're talking about. My big thing with CBD is if anyone says definitively it does something, just walk away. Don't listen to them. <laughs> I love that. The answer is always it depends. And a good coach or a practitioner will always say that. Um, so just so I'm clear and the listeners are more clear on the full spectrum versus the isolated, are you referring to basically just CBD or THC and everything else together? So basically taking a CBD oil or actually smoking or consuming marijuana. That's what they I'm sorry. So, so run that question by me again, because I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm answering that properly. So it's full spectrum, including THC, basically is the argument um, you have to either consume or smoke marijuana to get the full benefits, or you can isolate CBD or one of these cannabinoids solely by themselves. So the, that is a great question, right? So what we what we fundamentally understand is is that if you remove THC or remove THC down to the legal level of 0.3%, and then you have your full spectrum phytocannabinoids, which at that point is going to be predominantly 92% CBD, and then the rest will be the rest of these smaller um, smaller blips on the the, the spectral analysis of, of phytocannabinoids. 
that seems to be the best therapeutic kind of component, right? And when we look at what CBD does, CBD impacts the endocannabinoid system. Um, and that's what I love about this particular market, right? Is, is that the CBD market is filled with so many multi-syllable words that it just makes it almost impossible to have a conversation, right? Like <laughs> phytocannabinoids, endocannabinoid system. Like, can we just call it something simple? Um, but the endocannabinoid system is, is kind of this endogenous lipid-based system in your, in your body that has CB1 receptors located in your brain, CB2 receptors located in, in your body. And this full-spectrum phytocannabinoid without THC has a very unique impact on that endocannabinoid system where it does things like modulate stress, sleep, appetite, pain. Um, you know, we're seeing things like, you know, PTSD, opioid addiction, uh, you know, joints, um, seizures, all of these things. So this endocannabinoid system really has a pretty impressive impact on our body. And when we take the THC out or really drop down the levels and have this full spectrum phytocannabinoid oil from hemp, um, we can we can start to really, you know, target very indication specific response. What are some of the most shocking things that you've seen that maybe uh, were almost like paradigm shattering? Cause you said like yourself, like you kind of turned the way and I, and I will admit hundred percent that when it first kind of came out, I was like, okay, this is a fad. And then it kind of grew. And then I started reading things about um, even Crohn's disease going into remission based on, um, I can't remember if it was marijuana specifically or CBD specifically. Um, or, and if you're familiar with that study, you can touch on it, but um, what were the most shocking things that you saw happening to people beneficially from CBD? Sleep. I mean, that has to be the biggest one, right? And, and it's, it's funny. I do, a lot of, I do a lot of public speaking. And when we talk about something called the stress sleep cycle, I, I always joke about this. But, um, you know, I ask people, biological functions aside, what's usually the first thing you do in the morning? And people chuckle. And then you kind of get people start looking around and they're like, I don't want to be the first one to admit it. But finally, someone says, I check my phone. You know, so you're laying there in bed, maybe you just went and peed, maybe not, but you know, you roll over, you grab your phone and what do you do? You start checking email, you start looking at Instagram or Facebook. So you've got blue light activation, you've got the stress response because you've got FOMO, you've got, you know, your boss is yelling at you. So we go into our days with these higher levels of stress starting right out of the gate. And then, you know, you sit in LA traffic, you sit in whatever traffic, you know, you sit in and your boss is yelling at you and you've got to go pick up the kids and make dinner. And then I ask the question, well, what's usually the last thing you do before you go to sleep? And people are like, check my phone. And so, you know, now you're, you're crawling into bed, you're trying to get yourself ready to go to sleep and you pull that device out and now you've got blue light activation again and you're turning your brain on, whether it's through social media, whether it's through, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so, people have kind of gotten into this, this rat race, this sleep stress cycle where sleep is so bad right now. And so many, you know, a vast percentage of Americans actually are complaining about um, sleep, poor sleep quality. So now prolactin levels are up. We've got cortisol levels that are up. So people are naturally stressed out as a result of some of these, you know, these patterns. So what we're seeing with CBD is it's breaking those patterns. It's allowing people to get better sleep, to break that stress sleep cycle, to lower cortisol levels, to lower prolactin levels. Um, and when we pair it with other things too, then we really start to see some pretty cool impact of what CBD can do. A couple questions going off of that. The first one being is something I've noticed in multiple CBD oil products is um, MCT or grapeseed or different types of oil inside of the tincture with the CBD. Is there any reason for that? Is that just a matter of it's, a, it's easier on your body to actually absorb? Like, what is the reason for putting those in there? 
It's actually a carrier oil. So, you know, a CBD oil is not like a typical olive oil or things like that. So it's really thick. It can be really waxy. Um, so typically you need that kind of carrier oil in there just so that, you know, you, it can blend together and, and, you know, actually work within a tincture. But that brings up a really interesting question, right? What happens is because you've got differences in those oils, you can have something called phase separation. And this is where I really tell people, be careful of the type of oil that you're taking or the delivery system. I'm a big fan of soft gels for that reason alone. I take a soft gel. I know exactly how much CBD I'm getting. That, that soft gel has been tested for content uniformity. We know exactly what's in it. You take a tincture, and if you have separation in there, you know, the CBD oil might float to the bottom, the MCT floats to the top, and if you're not shaking it vigorously before you take it, well, day one, you might get 10 milligrams, day two, you might get, you know, 30, day four, you might get none. So really one of the things with CBD is we need to create this baseline and people need to be able to understand what a certain milligram dosage does to them so they can either titrate up or cut back. I love it. So um, with that being said, are you recommending people take it specifically at night for sleep? I know a lot of people take it actually in the morning because it calms stress down and uh, alleviates anxiety. What are your recommendations for people actually dosing this? You know, so the first thing is always start small. Um, and, and I really, it's, it's every person is different, right? Every person reacts differently. Um, I tell people start in the morning, but some people might find it makes them a little too lethargic. They're just not Johnny on the spot, you know, Maybe it's an issue. Now, when we what we do know about CBD and how it impacts, uh, you know, people's physiological makeup is is that it's not instantaneous, right? It's not like you're going to take a, you know, if you're using it for sleep, it's not like you're going to take an Ambien and just pass out. It's it takes a while. So I always say, you know, two to three hours prior to your bedtime, that's usually a good time to take it. But start in the morning, and if that if if you feel great, keep doing it. If not, you know, maybe push it to later on. You know, that two to three hours before you go to bed. So similar to fish oil, there seems to be a lot of pros with this. Have, have there been any studies? Has anybody found anything bad about taking CBD? Is there any cons? Not that we found. And it was funny. I, I'm going to pull this up because I had this great uh, Instagram post um, that just got a, like crazy, crazy like engagement. And, and pardon me for doing this because it, it is funny. It's, it's worth uh, – it's meant – it said – Hold on, I'll find it. it was based, it's just too funny not to explain. So it says, cannabis overdose deaths are now equal to the number of people gored to death by unicorns. <laughs> so <laughs> what we basically found is, is your, body's, your body's really great at filtering some of this stuff out. If you're going to take too much of it, most likely you're just going to sleep. You're going to feel really lethargic. You're just not going to feel, uh, you know, great. Uh, but there hasn't been any negative that we've come up with for taking a lot of this stuff yet. One of the things with the legal environment of CBD is, is that there hasn't been a lot of research. So the next couple of years are really going to be a tale of the tape of, of where we should be dosage wise, how we should be really looking at this from a, from a cycling perspective. Do you optimize your endocannabinoid system you know, by taking it for four weeks and then cycling off for a couple of weeks. There's a lot of, you know, it's kind of the new frontier, right? So it's exciting, but we don't have a lot of answers right now. I think the big thing for people to remember is just anything you take in extreme excess is probably not necessarily going to be lethal, but it's probably not going to be the healthiest thing. And it doesn't sound like CBD has any negatives if you're just taking a moderate dose. And I think anybody can be, just use common sense when they're taking this stuff, you know? Um, I love it, man. There's a lot of good information here. The last question I have on CBD before we talk about combining the two, because I know that's something you specialize in as well, is uh, again, going back to pregnancy, pre, uh, during, and then post, 
is there any benefits to pregnant women, breastfeeding women taking it? Should they stay away from it? What is the insight in that? You know, this is one where there's not, a, there's not a lot for, there's not really any research on this one. So my thing is stay away. Um, that's just one area you don't want to screw with. So uh, in, until something definitive comes out that says all pregnant women should be taking CBD, don't risk it. You know, we know what a healthy modern pregnancy should be. Uh, optimizing the endocannabinoid system doesn't seem to be a part of that. So, you know, if you've got sleep issues postpartum and you're not breastfeeding, maybe that's a great time to start looking at CBD. But I, by and large, I say stay away from it. 100% agree. So let's, let's, get to combining everything you have spoken on this and when you guys reach out to me you talked a lot about specifically taking cbd and omega-3s together why is this and, and what caused you to find this um i guess what caused you to find this in, in general like what made you stumble upon this and start digging into it and realizing that this is such a good thing well, you know, it's three things, uh, really. And so, and so you talk a lot about in those tinctures that there's always that carrier oil, right? So it's like, why not actually, if you have to pair it with a carrier oil, well, let's look at an oil that could be really beneficial, right? I mean, everyone knows MCT is good or olive oil, but why not pair it with something that could really be impressive? So then I started looking at the endocannabinoid system and trying to understand it. And what I found was that there were actually a couple clinical uh, research papers done on the impacts of omega-3 in the endocannabinoid system and how it can help modulate that system. So I'm like, oh, okay, now we've got some synergistic benefit here. And, and the third one really becomes the commercialization and the legal component of it. So when we take that research and we want to go to the market and be able to say, you know, this product does X, because we don't have any real clinical research on CBD, it became a nice way for us to really talk about the benefits of optimizing the endocannabinoid system using existing research from the omegas and not necessarily the CBD. So we're able to take that messaging out to the average consumer and allow them to digest that using omega-3s as kind of the foot in the door and then allow the CBD to kind of piggyback on that existing research. So when we really looked at kind of those three components, it made sense to really structure uh, these fusion blends using those two ingredients as the base. And then you get all of the ancillary benefit, right? So you're, you're really getting all of the benefits of the omegas that we talked about, plus optimizing your endocannabinoid system with the full spectrum phytocannabinoids. And so you guys actually created a product that fused these together in the right dosage? Yeah. So the, the product that uh, it was, the product that I created is called Phyto3. And, and that's, uh, you know, phytocannabinoids and, uh, you know, an omega-3. So um, that became a base. But one of the things that I really want to impress upon everyone listening uh, is CBD is not a panacea. The problem with the CBD market right now is it's the gold rush. Everyone's talking about it. There's a ton of money out there. So people are making the most outlandish claims ever. It's like, you know, you, you've got cancer, take CBD. You want to grow back your hair, take CBD. You know, it's your toenails are yellow, take CBD. It's like, I mean, you hear so much crazy shit out there. Nothing is a panacea. So if we look at it as a great base, optimize your endocannabinoid system, pair it with something that we know has some great benefit like omegas, but then look at some other things. So one of the great products that you'll find if you look at the at Omax Health website is a product I developed called uh, Stress Remedy, which is omega-3s, CBD, and L-theanine. So we really start to help modulate sleep, uh, separate out your alpha and theta brainwave so you can get into that really deep REM sleep really repair your body. I mean, if you're in the gym, that's the time that you're recovering, right? So, um, you know, really looking at what can we fuse with CBD and omegas to really tackle indication specific response. And, and that's where it gets exciting. 
I love it, man. I'm going to, I'm going to link all these supplements and all of these, everything you've mentioned in the show notes, because there's so much helpful, um, tips, helpful supplements. Obviously I I know I'm going to be switching some of the things that I'm taking just to make sure, um, because there's just so much to omegas and, and all of this. Um, if there's anything else that you want to leave the listeners with as far as tips on omegas, I do have one more question for you. That's kind of separate. Um, but I would love to just hear anything in a nutshell where you're like, you know, we didn't touch on this. I really think you guys need to focus on this. I would love for you to touch on fat cycling. You've mentioned that multiple times and I know I'm going to get the question of like, what is he talking about with fat cycling? So if you can kind of touch on anything that you feel like we left out, that would be great. Yeah. So let's talk about fat cycling, right? Because, um, you know, I make supplements, I design supplements, and, and the people that sell supplements would like you to believe that you should take something every single day. And as much as, as you know, commercialization and capitalism drives the world, I also believe that, you know, educating people to make the right decisions for their health and wellness goals is, is also what uh, drives the world. So think of it this way. If you take a filet of salmon out of your refrigerator and you leave it on your counter and go away for six weeks what is your house going to smell like when it comes back, when you come back, that fish is going to go rancid. It's going to be horrible. Well, what happens if you're taking in all of these fat soluble vitamins and they're storing up in your system and you're not metabolizing them properly. So if you're just constantly adding more and more to your system, there's the potential for, you know, toxicity. So my thought process on this one, and, and there is some research, but not a lot is Give your body a chance to break from that. You know, go six weeks on with your omega and then take a couple weeks off. Allow your body to metabolize the existing stores of polyunsaturated fatty acids you have in your system and then actually become hungry for it. And and your body is a really cool machine, right? So, you know, you take a couple weeks off from that, it's really going to kind of modulate itself and then be ready when you take, when you kind of cycle back on. So this whole concept of fat cycling, it's not my idea, but um, I think a lot of people who've really studied this believe that you should not be taking something every single day, you know, go six weeks on, take a couple of weeks off and then hop back on. And then if you start to use those diagnostic tests that we talked about, like the Omega index, you know, if you're at a 12 on your Omega index, do you really need to be taking that particular Omega product every single day? You know, maybe look at changing your fat cycling, going four weeks on four weeks off type of thing. So, you know, the more data points that you have, the more that you can really optimize your dietary supplement and just dietary lifestyle regimen uh, so that you're not making bad decisions that you think are, oh, I just take a fish oil every day and things are going to be good. That potentially could have some long-term negative impact. So it's all about just understanding your body and the data and, and fat cycling is a good way to just make sure that you're not doing something that could be harmful. I think one of the best things about what you're saying right now is that you are in the trenches of creating and selling supplements and you're sitting here telling me to stop taking it for a little bit um, because that's what is actually going to be beneficial if we're cycling this on and off. Um, And it just kind of goes to show your character, man, and and just allows me and the listeners to trust your information that much more because you're not in this just to sell a product. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, like it's, you know, my my story was uh, from the health and wellness perspective is, is that I had a grandmother who my grandfather was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And then he owned a painting and gas station company in the sixties. So he had like chronic lead poisoning, heavy metal toxicity. And so my grandmother was one of the first true crusaders in in what I would call the health and wellness space. She was like seeking out alternative newsletters before the internet was even, you know, a blip. This was a woman who was like, I'm committed to fighting disease, not just, you know, farm, you know, using pharmaceutical products to treat, you know, symptoms. 
And so I really was passionate about how do we really embrace our lives? How do we change the trajectory of someone's life? And the best way to do that is through health. And, and you know, there's four pillars to it in my mind. It's, it's diet, it's supplementation, it's exercise, and it's the social spiritual element. You can't just say, take my pill and you're going to be good. You have to optimize all elements of your life. And, and that's, you know, that usually makes me unpopular in certain uh, circles as far as supplement people. But it's like, you know, hey, screw it. We're in this if we're doing our jobs properly to make sure that we help people live the best life possible. I think that, to be honest with you, like from a business perspective, I think that's the key to long-term success versus a short-term uh return on investment, right? Like it's the same thing for me. I mean, I've been coaching for eight years now and it's always been about delivering as much value and free content. And it took me longer than some people who mastered Facebook advertising, let's say. But because of that, I have a more sustainable business and I help more people. I reach more people and that's exactly why. And I guarantee it's the same way with you and it's only going to continue. Um, so kudos to you for that. Something you said made me just think of another question that I do want to cover before we get off and I know we're running um, low on time but man I could probably talk to you about this stuff all day um, <laughs> you mentioned Alzheimer's earlier I'm just curious if there's any studies this is something that's near and dear to my family's heart so I'm curious is there any research about omega-3s and Alzheimer's I, I know you mentioned that and I want to say it was about omegas but I could be wrong yeah, it was. And it was actually, um, you know, it was, it was uh, uh, you know, Rachel's paper that just came out. So there's there's a long history of, you know, people who have Alzheimer's and get those plaques and tangles uh, in their brain seem to have lower concentrations of DHA in their brain. Um, now, what we just found is in that paper that she just uh, released, which is actually a fascinating paper. And, and I think, you know, it's one of those ones I would highly recommend connecting, uh, you know, posting that in your show notes. Um and I think if you go to just her found my fitness page, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she really talks about how APOE4 disrupts the transport of omega-3 fatty acids, specifically DHA in the brain, when it's not bound to a phospholipid. So one of the things that we can do, I think, in really looking at Alzheimer's or cognitive decline prevention is get out in front of that as quickly as possible. Most people kind of think omegas are like the old person supplement, right? Oh, I don't need those until I'm 40, 50, or 60. It's like, ah, wrong. That's the one thing that you should be doing now because cognitive decline, Alzheimer's or dementia, that's the silent killer, right? You don't know that it's there. And, and that could really, you could be dealing with it in your 30s and not really see true manifestations of it until your 50s or 60s. So really looking at, uh, you know, Rhonda's paper, really looking at phospholipids and especially this alpha and omega ingredient technology. That's something that I think that you can get on now and look at optimizing brain function with the hopes of, of really trying to help prevent some of these major cognitive decline problems that seem to be really prevalent now in the U.S. Absolutely. And this is pretty much solely prevention versus rehabilitation. You know, here's the problem. I'll, let me throw out my legal disclaimer is, is that, you know, none of these are approved treatments uh, for disease. Uh, I think it's going to get to that point where we're going to start to see that. Now, actually, alpha GPC is used as an Alzheimer's and dementia medication in Europe. So we do know that at high concentrations, it does have the potential to mitigate some of the impacts of, of the disease state once it's kicked in. Legally, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, so I always say that's my legal disclaimer. I think what uh, you know, what Rachel's paper is, is really going to bring to light on is, is that there is the potential for DHA and alpha GPC to really be used as a, as a, ther a therapy for Alzheimer's down the road. 
I love it, man. So much great information. The last question I have for you is a personality question, something I ask all my guests before they leave the show. Um, and it's just a funny scenario. And I'm curious about who you will be uh, in the scenario with. So the situation is that you're at a dinner table and you have three empty seats in front of you and you can choose anybody to be in those seats alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. Who's sitting at that dinner table with you? Oh, great question. Uh, you know, I, I think just to watch to have, what is it? Uh, someone, a reporter once asked Albert Einstein, you know, what it was like to be the smartest person in the world. And his response was, I don't know, asked Nikola Tesla. So I, I think just, you know, to, to sit and watch those two have a conversation would be fantastic. So, you know, Albert Einstein, Nikola Tesla, and then, oh, I don't know, who would be the third person? You know, who's so combative that it would be funny, you know, like put Jesus in there just for, you know, like the ultimate science and religion, uh, you know, thing that, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Einstein and Tesla would be great. And, and we'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll say Jesus just for fun. Second person that said Jesus this week. That's hilarious. <laughs> and and I, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm not an overly religious person. I grew up in a Catholic family, but it's, you know, it, you know, I, I look at it from, you know, him as a man and, and, you know, it's like obviously a person who it seems I don't read Aramaic and I, I wasn't there 2000 years ago, but it seems like, you know, if nothing else, he was a person who strived to do a lot of good. Um, and I think Einstein was a lot like that. And I think Tesla was a lot like that. So you've got three people with very conflicting ideologies, all with the hopes of really doing good in this world. So it'd be kind of fun to watch that. Absolutely, man. It'd be an interesting dinner table. So before I let you go, where can everybody find all of your content, your work, your supplements, everything like that? Yeah, so Evan underscore DeMarco on Instagram, which is where I post a lot of this stuff, and you get a lot of my fun, uh, you know, lifestyle. Uh, you get to see me travel all over the world. Um, Life to the Max blog is a great place, and you can definitely drop that in the show notes. There's a ton of blog content, everything, all the articles that I write on health and wellness. Uh, there is a book coming out. It's you know, I, the publishers are always wonky on this one, but I believe it's supposed to be in the next couple of weeks. It's called Thirty Days to a Better Brain. Uh, and it was a collaboration with Dr. Amy Killen, who's the regenerative stem cell therapist from uh, Utah. And what we did was really take a look at what people can do day in and day out, these little micro hacks on optimizing brain function. So a great little book, you know, kind of a, a nighttime uh, read on, on just what can you do every single day to really help your brain. So pretty excited about that and just a great pickup. And you know, again, I mean, simple things like what can you do while sitting in traffic, you know, brush your teeth with your opposite hand, you know, just all the small things that can make a big difference over a long period of time. I love it, man. I'm excited for the book. And thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was a great interview. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be Functional Muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. 
that's exactly what this program does and it's great because it guides you through the process it changes throughout the process and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution you also get access into the boom boom performance podcast forum that is the only way into the forum and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything and i will help guide you through the process Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.